Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Badass Ladies Club. If you haven't already subscribed, please do and go download, follow, share wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to rate and review us because that is how we climb the charts. I'm Jessica. This is my lovely BFF and co-host Laurie, and welcome to this week's episode, y'all. Welcome back, y'all. We, um, we're going to be talking about something that has really just dawned on us very recently. <laughs> um, the theme of this week's episode is feelings are for feelings. But before we get into feelings... We're going to talk about our badass of the week. Absolutely. Um, our badass of the week is the one and only Deborah Neal. Deborah Neal Baker, man. She uh, is such an inspiration. Deborah is um, the CEO of Neal Corporation. Um, it is an organization that I have worked with for almost 20 years now. Um, they are a distributor of products and education and systems for uh, salons. And so it's something that uh, Deborah has been in so many different roles at Neal for the amount of time that I have been exposed to them. And uh, I've just watched her operate with uh, fierceness and courage and grace and so many uh, different areas of business. And so it's been really inspiring for me to get to see her evolve. Yeah. And I don't know Deborah as well as you do. I have met her a few times. What I really admire about Deborah is her ability to not only gracefully tackle the things that she has, but she does it publicly. Absolutely. Out and in the open. <laughs> yes. She's a very well-known figure, especially in the salon world and the, the things that she's had to face publicly, um, is really inspiring to watch. She is, um, really in touch with the idea of relationships being the most important thing and to have strong relationships that you have to express a certain amount of vulnerability or at least that's what I've taken away from her example over the years. So, um, yeah, Deborah is somebody that we wanted to make sure that if you don't know who she is, that you should look her up. Um, and we want to invite her to come and be a part of the Badass Ladies Club, whether yes, Deborah, um, please. it's in person <laughs> or if it's uh, via you know some sort of uh, video chat or even just calling in sometime. We would love to get whatever you have to contribute to the Badass Ladies Club movement to try and inspire people to get in touch uh, with the things that they're trying to work through and, um, that you're a big inspiration to us. And so Deborah will be sending some goodies your way. Yeah. You're so a badass box out for it. <laughs> okay. So let's dive in. Feelings are for feelings. And I, well, I don't want to speak for you, Laurie, but I kind of have this reputation of having a black heart. No, not no you. me. Oh my gosh. No, but yes, I do. I um, a lot of it is for show. I think, um, it's, it's definitely a defense mechanism <laughs> for me. I can say it, I can admit it, but yeah. So feelings are for feelings was a really big light bulb aha moment for me. You know what? I had a, the thing that landed on me uh, with feelings are for feeling and having the black heart, like, I don't know. I've been accused of being cold or unfeeling before, usually because I can be laser focused about things. And so when you cut out your emotions, then it allows you to really focus in. And that definitely gets you that reputation of not being very feeling. What um, a bitch. I know. What a bitch. <laughs> That's me. Um, anyhow, the first time I really connected to this on the level that I feel like um, I'm beginning to understand it today was reading Untamed by Glennon Doyle. And she's got this part of her book where I'm going to do my very best to quote her because um, her words are so magic. But she says, I did not know that feelings were for feeling. All of them. I did not know that I was supposed to feel everything. I thought I was supposed to feel happy. I thought that happy was for feeling and that pain was for fixing, numbing, deflecting, and ignoring. Ugh. I mean, shoot me through the heart, Glenn. Okay. <laughs> um, I am sad to say I have not finished Untamed yet, but I am working on it. And I know that you have already gone through it, but I have read this part of the book. Oh my gosh. And when I read this part of the book, I was like, 
realize that feelings are for feeling like you're and supposed how, to feel and that's so simple. And it's kind of like, well, duh, all of it, but like all of them, everything. Uh, yeah. And you know, what followed this quote that Laurie just read was, um, you know, someone came up to her and said, you know, you're doing life right when you're feeling everything and that life is hard. Right. You're supposed to feel terrible sometimes because that's which just is, part of it. Yeah. Which it sounds so dumb. I think like I feel kind of stupid for going 33 years <laughs> thinking that I was only supposed to be happy and that anything that wasn't happy was to be shoved away not looked at, not fixed, um, you know, that those were feelings that weren't important. Um, and I've been to therapy and I love therapy by (laughs) the way. Um, therapy is great, but even then it's really hard to be in a vulnerable state to feel all those things, even with a professional, (laughs) but well, and I also think that it comes back to this idea that when things feel bad and I've experienced this so many times, like that you want to fix the suffering of somebody you love that is, you know, in pain and that the best thing that you can do is just sit there with them and hold space for their pain, you know, and that, uh, this idea of suffering is not something that is part of the human experience. Um, I just think that I had like rose colored glasses on for most of my life, which is why I tried to compartmentalize things that hurt and shove them away somewhere I picked up this idea of like, it's time to suck it up, Lori. Like Mm -hmm. life is hard, get on over it. Everybody has to go through it. And so when you have those really intense feelings that you don't know what to do with, and I consistently had this message. And it's so funny because I try and think about like, where did that message come from initially? I don't know where it came from, except that I understood that if I was good at putting it away and performing and or being heavily productive that that got me um recognition and absolutely you know and so it's hard for me to say that I I don't want to say that I regret the way that I am as far as being able to compartmentalize those feelings because I think it served me well in some aspects um that I do have this ability to turn off feelings and be able to just have that laser focus like you said in the beginning of the episode put my head down just have this tunnel vision and say you know what there's nothing that I can do about those feelings right now. I have such and such in front of me. That's what I can control. And so I'm going to power through. The problem is after I'm done with that, whether it's working on a client behind the chair or, I mean, a list of things that I could be doing at right. the moment, I never go back to those feelings. Absolutely. So when it. do right. you go back and handle right. it? You know, like, right. um, that I've got really, time for that. Right. I'm really good at you know, getting done what I need to get done, but I don't deal with it after the fact, which is not the good part because it's always going to come back and always in some way, shape or form, it will resurface. Absolutely. So, you know, coping mechanisms and getting really good at dealing with ways to cope with, uh, tough feelings when they come through, like there's all sorts of things that you do. I personally, my favorite is overworking, you know, and, um, sometimes it's not even like clock, punch the time clock, get paid kind of work. Sometimes it is working on my next global dream vacation, you know, and obsessing about it and going through tiny details and figuring out budgets and exactly how every little, you know, like my mind never stops working on things and it keeps me from being quiet and in touch enough to feel that stuff again. Um, so, and then, you know, there's obviously you have drinks on Fridays or that you have, you know, I mean, that's me. And so, (laughs) and so these coping mechanisms, I'm just now starting to learn that I can find other things that make me feel good in different ways, um, in order to cope. And one of those things that, you know, it's weird because it happened to me. Like I hit my forties and I was obsessed with the idea of having a garden and, uh, growing things, which I wasn't naturally good at to begin with. And I'm still not that great at. Um, 
But in my mind's eye, I knew that it would help me get barefoot on the earth. It would force me to care for the life of something, you know, and to believe in a future and tomorrow, you know, like, um, so gardening was a really good coping mechanism because no matter what I was upset about or how hard, um, of a time life has been, I've always been able to go to that and feel a lot better. Even if I'm just watering my half dead plants in August, you know, like I feel better <laughs> after I do those things. And so, um, and that that's been a commitment to have a garden. I had to commit financially to it. I had to commit time to it. I had to commit body, you know, like effort and strain. And, um, so it's, something that was not easy, but it's been uh, a lot healthier for me than some of those other coping mechanisms. You know, and I've watched you through your <laughs> gardening journey. Um, and I, more power to you lady. Cause <laughs> I, there's no way I couldn't do it. I don't have, well, you have a tiny human to I, raise. I do Let's have point a that tiny out. Okay. Like, I, I but, wouldn't do that either. So it's <laughs> <laughs> cool. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, ad I admire that you have found gardening because I think that I'm still finding my coping mechanism. I don't think that I've quite put my finger on it yet. What I have recognized is when I am trying to stuff those feelings. And, you know, a lot of that has happened within the past two years or so. You know, I started to realize that when I felt like I was failing or not doing a great job in my personal life that, um, that's when I was overworking and, you know, Laurie can, you know, attest to this, you know, I have a key to the salon, so I help myself and Absolutely. I would come in early. I would stay late. I would overwork myself to where I literally wasn't living a life outside of the salon because, well, what was the point I was failing at everything in my personal life, you know, being a mother and, you know, being a partner. And, um, it was, it, it's been eye opening <laughs> to realize that that's what I was doing, but I didn't know that at the time. I'm just so driven by success and money right. <laughs> that I thought that, um, if, well, if I'm doing bad in those areas that I can at least do right by my family, by, Providing. Providing. Yeah. Totally. And that that's at least one thing that I can do well. So I'm still, I think that this pandemic has forced me to not work as much right. and slow down, which has been, as we discussed in episode one, a very, um, soul searching and crushing experience. Right. But I have found other passion projects as this podcast, you know, that, um, I'm putting positive energy and vibes into. So I think that I'm still finding my coping mechanisms, but watching you through your gardening journey has <laughs> definitely, um, inspired me to find something like that. I also am really, and you and I have said this to each other before over the years, like I definitely had this mentality in my thirties where I said, I'm not getting any younger. If there's a time where we're going to strap it onto my back and I'm going to make it happen and we're going to make some money and make some things happen and make sure that we're a success so that way things can maybe be a little easier on the other side of this time. Like I just knew that I was never going to work, want to work any harder than I'm going to want to work right now. Um, and I'm young and I can do it and I'm capable. And so get on, you know, and I kept feeling like I was running out of time, um, mm -hmm. which is so interesting to me now because I don't feel like I'm running out of time anymore. Like I kind of feel like... Um, there's a lot of opportunity all around. Um, but I did have a real sense of lack, like there was a clock ticking and that I had to make myself as successful as I could be in the time where I was relevant. Um, which is a weird thing for ladies, you know, like the older you get, you realize that you're so relevant at all ages in all, you know, carnations, but that I did have this like speaking in the back of my mind that you better do it now mm -hmm. because as you get older people are not going to want to employ you or you're not going to be as valuable as you are right now um which like I said time passes on and you realize how silly that is um but it was a big motivator for me at the time to work nonstop and to not feel the feelings because I had something more important to do right um so still talking about coping mechanisms you and I have talked a little bit about um 
how we started to realize that maybe the way that we are coping is also the way that we celebrate. Yeah, man. And I'm still reeling, like thinking about this and how I do that. I mean, I I had never heard it put that way before. And so when we started talking about that, I really connected to it. But I did always know, like on a surface level, that when I was young, that there were... An, I guess I figured this out because of my own like relationship with food, mainly when things are good um, or we're celebrating something, you know, like I come from a very long line of Southern uh, home cooking type uh, folks and I love to cook and I love to feed people. And, um, and so that celebration aspect of it's somebody's birthday. So we're going to celebrate or, you know, God forbid somebody passes away, you know, like we're going to eat or you got straight A's, let's go get banana splits or the dog died. Let's go get ice cream. You know, like that no matter what, like in good times and bad times, there was this, um, dopamine hit that I would get from, food celebration that as an adult, yeah, I definitely celebrate with food. Um, and then when bad things happen, like I want chips and queso, no doubt Mm -hmm. it is uh, prevalent in my world. And so that I do think is very interesting, that idea that you celebrate and you cope with the same tool. Yeah. Um, I think that mine definitely, I think shopping, Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) That when something great happens, I want to reward myself. So thank you. Well done. Online shopping. Oh my gosh. Immediate like gratification. Yes. Um, but when I also need to feel good, thank you. Online shopping, (laughs) um, you know, that in either circumstance, whether I'm celebrating or whether I'm coping, I'm like, I deserve it. Yes. Damn it. And you know? <laughs> it also feeds that idea that you worked your ass off. And so because right. of that, I deserve to right. buy something new and reward myself. Right. Like, yeah. And, you know, and I can also say the same with drinking. And yes. I don't think that that's as addicting for me as shopping is, but that, yeah, whenever something great happens, yeah, you have a drink and Absolutely. you're like, cheers. But when you're sad, where's the alcohol? Right. Like, where's the alcohol? Yes. I need it. Totally. Um, and that I think that that's definitely well, eye opening. And that sometimes when you're really suffering and, you know, I, I try and think about times where like the pain was so intense that I just could not bear it anymore, that there are times that I have been forced to feel it. Um, when I have been sick or, you know, like I couldn't like drinking was not an option at the time I went through a couple of years where I was, you know, really sick and I couldn't drink. And that when I would have really hard times when I was completely sober and I couldn't eat very rich foods, you know, like my life was kind of bland as far as what I could ingest uh, in those years that it was a lot harder for me to Mm. feel the feelings, but I didn't have a choice. And so that idea of, I can't do this, but I totally did it, you know? And so I think since that experience, because I don't know that there was ever a time in my life in what I was like 38 to 40 ish, Mm -hmm. you know, um, maybe a little into 41 when I was so sensitive and I couldn't drink and I couldn't eat, you know, like really awesome stuff. That was a really scary time. It was crazy scary. Um, but it was also really interesting to be that sober and to, Um, and I was turning 40, like talk about feeling the feels. Okay. Like I was like, (laughs) then I would like, this is awesome. Um, I was all over the place, but like I said, I did it and it gave me a lot of confidence that, um, I could feel really bad, but still have a really amazing quality of life sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, I think that, you know, through this pandemic, when you're left with your feelings Mm -hmm. and we're pinpointing these ways that we're coping and dealing with these feelings that, um, you and I have talked a little bit about uh, having the fur babies and, oh my gosh, the human babies. babies. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That, um, they have such healing powers. They really do. Um, I was never that aware. I mean, like, obviously I love dogs. Um, I've always loved dogs. 
I love babies, you know, especially infant babies that can't talk, um, (laughs) which is not because I don't want to talk to them, but just because I really value nonverbal communication, uh, with everything, Mm -hmm. you know, even, um, with people now, but in any event, I love little babies that are super tiny and just figuring out what world is like. And then I love dogs and puppies that are also kind of like living in their own alternate reality. It's super healing. Um, it is because puppies and babies aren't judging you (laughs) for feelings and they're not asking you for their feelings, but you also have this idea that they kind of know. Oh yeah. You know, that they, um, that they're soaking it in and your energy and what your vibe is and what you're giving off that, um, but they're not judging you for it. They're just present, which is so hard to do. So through this pandemic, it's so hard to watch all my friends on social media, having these babies that I can't hold. (laughs) Can't get near them. I'm just a freaking mess looking at all these baby pictures and, you know, grieving life before the pandemic when I could easily go over to any of those friends' houses and bring them a meal, help them with their laundry and hold that baby, hold that freaking baby. And now we can't. And, you know, Laurie and I have a friend who just had her fourth little baby. Oh my gosh. She's only like three weeks old. Yes. Three weeks old and the smallest baby of the four children, like six pounds. <laughs> that, wow. Um, I so desperately want to go over there and cuddle this Girl, little baby. Wash but your hands up to your elbows, get a freaking mask and go hold that baby right away. <laughs> like I'm into it. I just, you know, keeping in mind that I am exposed to people since I am a hairdresser, I obviously want what's best for all these little babies. And I don't know if I'm the best person to be able to go cuddle. If there's one thing I know, it is that people are going to keep having babies and you're going to have (laughs) lots of babies to snuggle in the future. Not to worry. Well, you know, four-year-olds, I mean, Adelaide will snuggle. It's just, she talks back now. Yes, she does. And so it's not quite the same as when she could fit on my chest Mm -hmm. and we could breathe and sink and take a nap together. And that, that was just Oh, those are moments that I would just cherish forever. And so more than anything, I just want to like barge into all my friends' houses who are having these babies and say, I'm stealing your baby for three hours. When is nap time? I'll come over and I just want to cuddle. Um, but it's all. also, you got your new fur baby. I did get so my new fur baby, Ruth Barker Ginsburg. Yeah. Um, and she has been such a little angel. She's really sweet and has that same, you know, like puppies do have that quality where it doesn't matter what you're feeling. Um, I have definitely noticed that Bowie and I are really in tune after spending a lot of quarantine together since we met. Um, obviously if I'm upset about something, I don't have to like physically react at all. I can just like internally be triggered by anything. And before I know it, like he is up in my face, you know, mm-hmm. like he can sense when he is totally attached. I'm not to okay with you. Um, he really is. I just love him to bits. Dang it. But he <laughs> definitely is um, supportive and feeds that vibe. I also am, you know, like usually our lives are organized by like these big life events. They're either good life events or they're, you know, critical crisis kind of events. Mm-hmm. Um, and definitely the passing of my grandmothers, both of them were huge events in my life that, um, I feel like things definitely changed for me when I lost them. Um, but both times that I lost them in the window of them passing, there was a birth of a baby that was really close to me, you know? And so I got really, I remember when I was taking care of, uh, my mamma as she was ill and, uh, moving on, that I would hold her hand and, you know, her skin was so different, um, than mine at the time, you know, at the age that I was at. Um, but I remember how much her hands like really inspired me. And then I would go to my friend's house who had just had a baby and I would hold her newborn baby and I would hold that baby's hand, you know, and it was like brand new Mm -hmm. and it was so profound and different, just like this process of life and death and birth. And it was healing to me before she even died that I had that And there's actually an essay in Untamed that touches on a very similar story as what you just told. Totally, yeah. 
um, where her grandmother was passing, but she had a niece born Mm -hmm. all in one day. I mean, it's crazy. And, um, just that beautiful circle, you know, and Laurie, I completely forgot about this story until you were just talking. Um, this is why we're good at uh, breaking down (laughs) subjects. Do you remember? Well, obviously I know you remember that tribal forum we went to with our salon. So our salon every year does this thing called tribal forum. It's It's my favorite weekend of the year. Um, our boss is he's best, the best. It's all like personal growth and development style. Um, it's like mine and Laurie's dream weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, self-help mania, but, um, so this was tribal forum of 2016. Oh my God. Your memory's so good. I was like, what year? I was, well, I know because I was 35 ish, Mm -hmm. 36 ish weeks pregnant as big as a freaking house, by the way. (laughs) I mean, um, from the side maybe. Well, and I remember, okay. So at the time I had Delilah, my pug, sweet baby, who is the I mean, Ruthie is great, but Delilah was my first fur baby as an independent adult. So, you know, there's always something special about your first, like some dogs are just different, you know? Yeah. yeah, That, um, this was like my dog, not the family dog, not my parents' dog. Delilah was my first as an adult. I made the decision to adopt her through the pug rescue and, um, because I'm a pug lady. I love pugs so much. So cute. Um, I remember I was, I mean, and it was like right before my doctor was like, you cannot travel anymore. So yeah. you better go now. Because, you were in the red zone. Right, I was in the red zone. Um, and I remember right before I left that Aaron said, you know, do you think Delilah is breathing weird? And I was like, what do you mean? She's a pug. Like pugs breathe weird. They (laughs) have breathing problems. And he was like, I I, I don't know. She just sounds different. And I remember I got in the car. I wasn't worried about it. The last thing I said to her was, all right, I love you. Bye. You know, like you do your dogs when you leave. Um, and that we went to tribal forum. We were having such a great weekend, such a great time. And Aaron called me said that he took her to the emergency vet because she was breathing so hard and that they had found out that she had Cushing's disease and that her heart was enlarged and it was so big that they couldn't even see her lungs on her x-ray and that they had to put her down. And I'm four hours away in New Braunfels, pregnant, about to burst. And Aaron's on the other end of the line saying, we have to put her down. Obviously there was nothing I can do about it at the time. I was outside and you know, so Billy, our boss, he always has this way of like popping in whenever you need him. And it was almost like this divine intervention where I took the phone call. I got off the phone. I was bawling. We were on break Mm -hmm. from tribal forum and Billy saw me and he obviously knew that something was terribly wrong. And so I told him, um, that we had to put Delilah down and obviously I'm four hours away from home and what am I going to do? And he just held me and hugged me and, um, asked if there was anything he'd do. Of course, like said all the right things. And I was like, I just, you know, I was a mess. Um, and then I think I text you and I said, come outside with makeup right now. <laughs> do you remember that? I do remember. And I knew that if, I, if we needed makeup, that that meant there were tears involved. Yes. Um, <laughs> that, and because you have a black heart, that something really bad must have right. happened if you were crying. <laughs> right. Um, and so I remember you came outside with makeup. I redid it as to the best of my ability. I think it was probably obvious that I you had great. a Are breakdown. You Stop <laughs> but it. what was kind of scary looking back on it, it was kind of scary how immediate I could turn off my feelings, but how it served me in that moment that Laurie as my witness, I walked back into that room. She, I got up on that stage Mm -hmm. and I led a company wide dance party. Dance party. Um, you know what movement sometimes is a big part of processing things. It yeah. And you know, when you and I were prepping for this episode that that story didn't even didn't come to my it. mind, yeah. I didn't, uh, yeah, that, and it wasn't until, you know, that I went home Yes, and I didn't have the heavy breathing of a pug to listen yeah. to the and silence we just had is, silence yeah. 
And that, you know, just a few weeks later I had Adelaide Yeah, and that grieving the death of my beloved fur baby, but having a human baby, I almost didn't have time to process it, but that the irony wasn't lost on me Yeah, that, um, you know, and Adelaide even knows who Delilah is because she does. I'm the weird dog lady who like had professional pictures taken of <laughs> Delilah. Don't laugh. It was for a charity event that I had professional pictures taken of her. And so I have, I mean, they look like they're out of a magazine or something. I love and it. my keychain holder, you know, is right by my door where I place my keys when I go and leave. And that Delilah's face is right there, right next to my door. And you know, that we have magnets of Delilah and I just have like little pug things all over the house and that Adelaide knows who Delilah is. And, um, so that, yeah, there, I, I haven't also, relived that in a really long time. I mean, right here live at the Badass Ladies Club <laughs> podcast doing the self-work. That's uh, what we're here about, right? Uh, you know, what else is funny is, um, you know, Mandy, uh, one of our best friends was also like super pregnant. Like I want to say like 39.9999 weeks, <laughs> um, pregnant the night that my house burned down. Yes. And I remember, yes. you know, Aubrey and I had to go find a place to stay right away. And obviously we went to my, by the Mandy's. way, Laurie's house burned down. Yeah. That happened <laughs> years ago. Um, that was also in 2016. That was in 2016. Yeah. Uh, it, that was a heck of a year, man. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that was like the best year of our life. Um, <laughs> but that happened. And then sh- days after my house burned down, after Aubrey and I had already like relocated to a hotel and, you know, we're like trying to figure out what life looked like and all of your possessions and everything are either destroyed or, you know, like never the same after something like that happens. Um, Betty was born and that she was just such a ray of light in a really dark time. And she kind of brought me back to life, you know, like, cause when something, I guess for me, maybe because I wasn't really in touch with those feelings or for feeling thing at the time, um, you have a lot of feelings when you watch your house burn down, you know, like, um, well, gosh, Laurie, and the way you handled that situation, it was incredible to watch because one moment you were fine. (laughs) The next minute you were not Yeah, a lot. And at the time, um, my empathy skills were not at its, not at their best. Um, I'm with having a black heart. I'm not the most empathetic person. I feel like feelings are icky and sometimes I just freeze up and I don't know what to do when people are in such deep emotional distress. And that was me. And that was you. (laughs) Um, so apologies. I'm sorry for not being (laughs) like the best friend that I could have been at the time, but that, um, I was so happy that you had Mandy and I mean, what a freaking blessing that she was about to pop and she was like, come to my house. Yes. And it was honestly, and it's funny, you know, because we didn't have any clothes but Mandy and Andrew had clothes that they, you know, gave us and we didn't have, uh, toothbrushes, but the red cross came and brought us toothbrushes and dog food, you know, because obviously we, uh, had martini. So we had everything that we like quote unquote needed at the time, but yeah, Betty being born really helped me. Um, because there was all the work to do afterwards. You had to go through the stuff in the house. You had insurance stuff. I was still trying to work a little bit, you know, like we were moving into a hotel, but when I would hang out with the newborn baby, none of those things that seemed so heavy and overwhelming and big, um, like I said, my brain kind of like never stops. And I'm always stressing about, uh, what needs to happen next. I had so many, what needs to happen next moments at Mm -hmm. that time. Um, that when I would hang out with her, I could just be really present with this brand new blob of awesome, you know, that was so beautiful and great. And, um, so yeah, babies and fur babies are massively healing and, um, that they are a, you know, it's funny because when they're babies, they, like you said, they don't talk back. Um, and dogs obviously don't always talk back in words anyway, you know, like, 
Bowie's kind of spunky um, sometimes. <laughs> uh, but it's so nice to have uh, that feeling of the unconditional understanding and love and that you can just be who you are in the moment. And that when we feel those icky feelings and it really hurts and there's it's raw like mm-hmm. that, um, as humans, it's hard for us to see each other in that situation you know like you said it was hard for you to watch me go through some of those feelings and well, so and I had a newborn right well okay your house burned down in August of 2016 August. so, yeah, so Adelaide was still. four months old yeah, <sighs> yeah so I would and I had just gone back to work right when that had happened and so there was just a lot of a things lot shifting and life yeah. changing um at the time but that when things like babies and dogs when they see you break and crack in those ways where the pain's real and it's raw, they don't shudder from that. Mm. You know, like they are, that's why it feels so good for them to be truly present with you. And that as adults, you know, like I really have to, um, I'm still really trying to work on that because I want to be a fixer and I want to help people and I hate seeing their pain, but that, um, really to be able to let people express that in whatever way they need to and just be there with them while they do it, that that is the most valuable thing when you are suffering and hurting. Right. And, you know, I, at the time was just learning what it meant to be present as a new mom, you know, and that things could wait. Yeah. But, yeah, like, it's so easy to not be present to ignore feelings that that is a really easy cop out, you know, like we were saying earlier, getting that laser focus and focusing on other things at the time. Ugh. And what's easier than focusing on your newborn baby and putting everything else out of the picture, right. you know, like yeah. I can imagine that that's probably, um, a tunnel vision kind of thing. I just know from any time I have hung out with Adelaide, when it's just me and her, that time goes by so fast. Like I blink and four hours have passed because when you're with a kid, it is like an all consuming situation where the outside world just has to kind of wait, you know, like there's this little thing that needs all of your focus most all of the time. Um, and so, yeah, that is, uh, I can definitely see how especially having a newborn, you know, like I know what it's like to have a puppy, (laughs) but they require so much more work than puppies do. Well, you know, I'm not going to lie to you, Laurie. Sometimes I think that having a newborn and a puppy is the same thing. The only difference is you can't put a baby in a crate. I mean, dang it. Totally. Go go to (laughs) work, go have brunch. I'll be back in a little bit. Good girl. Oh man. So, I mean, I guess the other part of feelings or for feeling that is, obvious uh, or becoming more obvious to me is that you can, it'll never be resolved to a point where it's not like constantly hurting you, the feeling that you're stuffing until you feel it and go through it. Um, and I have this thing that I do when I'm like really upset is I'll cry, cry, which is not unusual. Um, (laughs) but I can't stop crying. Like, it's not like I'm wailing, crying, but like, I'm sadly trickling tears down my face, like constantly long periods of time sometimes. (laughs) And I, and I try and just like go with it, you know, and be like, it's okay. Like let it out or whatever. And then I get really frustrated sometimes. And I'm like, Oh my God, why can you not stop? And one of the times I really remember going through that was after the house burned down when we were in the hotel, like I would step outside and somebody would like light a cigarette and the flint from the lighter would like trigger me with the burning house smell that all of my stuff that I did say from the house smelled like, you know, and it would make me start to cry. And it was like an involuntary, I don't know, PTSD thing that was going on. Well, um, and also because you found out the source of, well, yeah, <laughs> that it was a cigarette that next a door. Yeah. That triggering started the situation. Um, I could imagine that people lighting up a cigarette it would was be triggering. Yeah. yeah triggering for for that. a control freak, it really sucks to not be able to control like outward expressions of emotion like that. Um, yeah. and that I had to, and I remember my mom, you know, obviously came and she got a room at the hotel that we were living in for eight weeks and stayed over a weekend. And I remembered like just having one of those episodes where it was like the most random thing, but it just made me start to cry and I could not stop. And she was saying, you know, like, yeah, it sucks to have this experience on the other end of it, but you just have to feel it. And then you can 
move forward, you know, like, well, and correct me if I'm wrong. Your mom went through the same thing, right? Her house is also burned down. Yes. Um, like, my mom's house burned down. Um, her family's house had burned down. It's so crazy. crazy how air quotes here common yes. that is, but that it does happen. And, um, it's a surreal so I'm, thing. Well, but... I'm, I'm just, I'm grateful for you that your mom could come from a place of, I know exactly she how did. this feels because I couldn't be that for you. Yeah. Well, and you know, my dad also, you know, his, right. he had a, uh, a home burned down. It's so weird that all of us had, you know, like those similar experiences. Um, and people are, you know, what I was really grateful for with you was that you did, it was about the time where you were going back to work, you know? And so I, worked, you know, through most of that experience. Uh, but I was not, I couldn't totally be Laurie, you know, and to be on. And so knowing that, you know, I had you there and, um, just having your presence around was really good, um, for me in a lot of ways. So yeah, you get what you need in those situations. And, um, I do remember, uh, you know, it's funny, Deborah Neil Baker was, uh, our badass of the week this week, she was really wonderful because she saw on social media that my house had burned. Um, and so many people were so wonderful, um, being so supportive. We got countless gift cards and, you know, like restaurant gift cards. Yeah, we didn't our have network much of a kitchen was so and, awesome. Um, I, you know, lost all of my makeup kit and all of my tools in the fire. And that was a lot of my livelihood at the time. And I traveled a lot and used all of those things so much um, that Deborah just, you know, sent me a message and was like, please let me know, you know, like any way that we can support you and, um, was just really wonderful. And I told her, um, this is how you can help, you know? And that felt strange at You're the like, time I to need be like all of our brand, I, like. you know, she was somebody who had access to Jeez. makeup and tools, right. um, that I was a, had been familiar with using for so many years. Um, and she totally sent me like a brand new set of, uh, makeup brushes and a, a couple of sets actually, and, uh, hair tools for styling on location and makeup and so much stuff to get me started again. Um, and everybody at Neil, you know, that came together and did that was so awesome, but that really was great. It was also, you know, when I say she inspired me, um, and how she's dealt with really difficult things in her life. Like I found myself so many times being like, okay, so when Deborah would have really vulnerable moments, for instance, on stage at serious business, um, on with an audience, you know, like, I don't even know how many people go to something like that a lot, you know, like oh, a way bigger uh, yeah. audience than I've ever stood in front of right. before. Um, and that she could be truly vulnerable and you could see her struggle and her pain and that she didn't try and shield that because I had always had that exterior of like, I'm fine. I'm super tough lady. I got this, you know, and that she could just feel it and be real. Um, I had overwhelming respect for her because of that. And so when I was given an opportunity to be able to do the same thing, I went for it and it was horribly painful. Like, don't get me wrong. <laughs> like, there was nothing that was easy actually, about it. It was terrible, um, but so awesome at the same time. Yeah. But, and I didn't do it nearly as publicly as she did, but I definitely expressed it, um, at work to, you know, my coworkers and, um, definitely expressed it to my friends and family that I knew loved me and that, um, trying to see on the other side of it, that my house burning down was actually one of, the things that turned my life in a totally different direction, because let this be a lesson to all of us. I had a uh, top of the line renters insurance. I did not own a home before this happened. Um, and we got a, at the time, what was the largest check I had ever seen, you know, in my life. And we were able to buy a house and we were also able to go on a month long Greek, uh, Island stopover in Italy dream vacation for my 40th birthday. And no one likes a bragger. I mean, I'm just saying, <laughs> like, no, no, no. Like, that was, I know, a really great trip for you. Awesome. And, um, I watched from social media and I, I mean, was very envious, but in the most like you go girl kind of way, it, it was, was great. one of those moments where I was cheering you on and said, she so deserves this. It's just a lesson that even through such loss and tragedy, such as literally losing everything you possibly could, um, having your house burned down that, such beautiful things came of it, quite honestly. Really great things. Not that I would ever wish that 
upon anybody. Of course not. But that the Man, tragedy doesn't it, have to be tragic long term. Yeah. You know, like it, it can, really afforded you to be able to go on that dream vacation yeah. that you had talked about for years and that you were able to buy a home. I also did not love my home that burned. Like it was a place that we lived, but I remember all the time thinking, dude, this place is kind of dark, you know, like I was not in love with, it was a duplex, you know, like I had really close neighbors. Um, I wanted a garden, you know, like I was wanting to do more of that and it wasn't very conducive to that. And, but you know, like buying a house meant that you had to, I mean, let's be real. The Greek vacation was awesome, but I went, I go on vacation a lot anyway, you know? And so anytime I would have money put together that maybe we could have bought a house, we just went on a vacation, you know? And so it required a lot of discipline that having a giant check at once allowed me to be like, okay, so maybe we should get into this buying a house situation, which has been really awesome. Um, and so, yeah, I feel really positive about the way that that went. But I also know that it was the first time that something truly tragic happened in my world where I decided to deal with it differently Mm -hmm. and to try and feel as bad as it made me feel, you know? Um, so yeah. yeah. Watching your best friend go through something like that y'all is, um, a life lesson. You handled it way better than, I probably could have, I mean, I'm good. I'm good at turning off feelings, but the dealing with them, like I said, in the beginning of the episode, still something I'm working on. So, and everybody's a work in progress, you know, like I definitely, you're you're just, I'm just saying you're a, uh, you're such a great example. Well, as far as that goes, thanks for saying that. Um, but that was also gratefully a time that I got to drink. (laughs) Like, let's, <laughs> like, let's, let's not, I was not sober through the uh, right. aftermath of that. Yeah. So yeah, the only way out of it's through it and that you just have to <laughs> feel, uh, the feelings. Yeah, you, you really do. And you know, the other day, um, September 24th was the eight year anniversary of my grandfather passing away, which Laurie was, um, right by my side through that whole experience and what that meant to me. My grandfather on my dad's side was one of the most important people in my life. And I, you know, I won't go through the whole story of his passing. And I, I just had a lot of very important life events following the weeks that he had passed. And so it was just really easy for me to turn off those feelings and to deal with those important life events that were coming. But what I realize now, eight years later, is that me having that ability to compartmentalize and sweeping it under the rug has deeply affected relationships within my family and that things are resurfacing and that I, you know, I, I don't want to put it like, um, that people are saying you're still on that, you know, because obviously grief is a very complex situation in long term sometimes, but that I'm kind of like, yeah, yeah, I'm still on it. Totally. <laughs> um, but I also realize that, you know, I was 25 at the time and that in retrospect, I was just a baby, tiny wee babe, <laughs> yeah, a tiny wee babe, dealing with very complex feelings that I can now look back in my thirties and say I wasn't mature enough to deal with with these upcoming huge life events, um, and that if I could talk to twenty-five-year-old baby Jessica, that I would tell her feel it. Yeah. Feel your anger, feel your depression, feel all those bad feelings. Like Glennon Doyle said, you know, in Untamed, like I thought I was just supposed to be happy. Yeah. And so sorry, your grandpa died, but you better move on. You better move on because you got this other shit to deal with mm-hmm. in a couple of weeks that you really don't have time to deal with this. So God, I, if I could just go back and tell her, you know, that even those bad feelings they're valid, Mm -hmm. that they are worth feeling and that they are worth working through. So I feel like a, uh, a call to action kind of commitment thing coming on right now where, um, when you are presented with an opportunity or when I'm presented with an opportunity to feel it or stuff it, that I'm at least first going to make a really big, uh, 
stab at feeling it because, you know, we've also talked about a lot of really deep things today, like people dying and people being born and, you <laughs> Sorry, know, like, <laughs> because the really hard feelings are usually attached to like these massively painful feelings that are coming on. But I'm also talking about like when somebody cuts me off in traffic and I'm like, you bitch, you know, like that maybe that feeling is something else you know, and that I need to, um, I know I, in my day to day life need to start feeling things rather than, uh, projecting those feelings, Ooh, you know, like yeah. into circumstances. Cause, um, anytime that I feel like I snap or react to things, I'm usually upset about something else that I haven't been willing to, you know, like go there on. And so the compartmentalized thing that you're talking about, um, you know, we don't ever go back to it and yeah. that, if I was listening to, uh, another podcast this morning where, uh, Rachel Brayson, yoga girl, she was talking about, you know, like sometimes, uh, if you just get quiet, you know, really, really quiet and that she's been spending a lot of more time in the early mornings before the world wakes up, uh, before her daughter wakes up, you know, like where she can just be really quiet and grounded with herself. And that sometimes that is, really difficult, you know, like to be that silent. Um, but that you do feel lots of things and that you do have those moments of like, Oh yeah, I'm kind of sad, you know, like this is what it feels like to be sad or I'm really scared or, um, sometimes it's, I, I feel really good or I feel like myself or I don't feel like myself and that you don't have to have these giant grief emotions or these elated, oh, happy, like yeah. massively way to go world emotions that sometimes you're just neutral or, a little sad or a little happy. And that if you just experience that, that that's really all it is, you know, and that we don't have to attach so much uh, meaning to those things. Sometimes it's just giving yourself permission to feel it for a second and allow yeah, it. I, I can totally, you know, say that I am one of those people that whenever I meditate, for example, mm -hmm. I feel like I have to have this big epiphany yeah. that it has to be this big, huge thing. And that I have to extremely feel one way or the other. And that I did listen to a little bit of that episode with mm -hmm. yoga girl that you are talking about. And that I just really loved that piece where yeah. she said, you know, it doesn't have to be this big thing that feelings are sometimes like Eh, meh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. that that's also valid. Totally. And that that's okay. And that just and observing that, it, man. Like, having that validation, I was like, oh, yeah. So maybe I'm like expecting, you know, too much of myself when I'm trying to dig deep, that I have to have these deep, emotional, big. You're also a Capricorn. Like, let's be real. Damn it. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> it's a blessing and a curse, you know, um, these Capricorn. Feelings. I mean, I'm a mushy cancer, bleeding heart, you know, like <laughs> kind of situation. So we're, we present pretty good balance. I think. Yes, absolutely. All right, guys. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining us for episode three. Uh, I am already, fe I feel pretty good, man. Like if yeah, I'm feeling I feel feelings awesome. today, I feel great. So you guys, uh, like Jessica said, when we started, get on uh, our page and like, share, follow, subscribe, tell all your friends. We are really excited about episodes that are coming up. We've been doing a lot of really cool planning. And um, so yeah, check us out, Instagram, Facebook, www.badassladiesclub.com, all of those things. And we'll check y'all next time. Thank you guys. Bye.